Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for joining us on Making of Herstory. Heidi, are you um, traveling the world today? Where in the world is Heidi today? <laughs> I know, right? No, I'm actually in New Hampshire, although I just got back uh, this week from being in Florida and I spent a couple weeks in Guyana. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's official, Crystal. I've, I've reached a road warrior status for sure. I think so. You're making my um, stay-at-home April school vacation sound pretty, <laughs> pretty relaxing <laughs> um, and also a little bit fun. But how's it going being on the road and, and your CEO role now? I know we, we talked about it a couple episodes ago, but we haven't touched on it since. Yeah, it's been phenomenal, right? I, and I appreciate you asking that. I, you know, it's a lot of, uh, you know, transforming a company is always uh, challenging and exciting and you know the best thing is is i uh have fallen madly in love with guyana and its people and just so it's been it's really just been an incredible opportunity it's it, it, it's interesting because we had talked about stepping out of your comfort zone and and this for me was definitely that uh, but now i'm starting to hit my stride and feel more like yeah this is i was really meant to do this so um, so I'm ex excited, but it doesn't happen without amazing people. And I have inherited such an incredible team that, um, that they make it easy. That's excellent. I'm so glad to hear that. So it's, it's definitely worth it. It sounds like. Yeah. And how's spring break going? Spring break is amazing. Um, I am getting ready for Perks Conference next week, though. So the world, um, there's more and more articles being published about the world being stressed. So, which is good and bad for me and my business, right? But um, so it's been a balance this week of trying to prep for my big conference that I have next week and taking care of my kiddo. But it's been awesome. So, um, oh, you're doing such great work in that area. But um, so let's talk about who we have on today. Well, I know. I was going to say, speaking of CEOs, right, <laughs> we have uh, Angela on the line. Hello, Angela Lucier. Hi. So Angela is an award-winning speaker, um, author, TEDx presenter, and CEO and founder of the Speaking Sisterhood, which is pretty exciting. So I know that before we were recording this morning, um, Heidi, you were talking to Angela a little bit about the work that she does because you're in the public eye more and you're, you know, you're not scared to talk to people, but there's probably some tips that you could probably learn from her. And I'm sure Angela has already positively influenced so many people around the world um, with her work. So, um, so yeah, so Angela, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. So do you, do you mind giving us a little bit of insight into who you are? I just touched on your bio a bit, but sort of a, a little bit of background about, you know, where you come from and who you are. And then we'll start talking about pivotal moments in your journey and all that good stuff. Yeah, I sometimes call myself the unexpected speaker because I grew up so shy. Um, today, I'm six feet tall. And if you met me when I was 12, I was also six feet tall. <laughs> and if you remember being that age, you were probably six inches to a foot shorter than that. <laughs> and the boys were like three feet shorter than that. So it was 
a terrifying time growing up and feeling different than everyone else, feeling like a monster or an alien and being made fun of and bullied. And I realized that if I wanted to survive high school, the best way to do that would be to hide. And I became a wallflower. I just did everything I could to stay out of the spotlight. I never raised my hand in class. I never volunteered for anything. I did whatever I could to disappear. And that was a good survival strategy up through college. But when I got to my first job, I was working at a radio station in the marketing department. And I noticed that I was working really, really hard, but I wasn't really getting recognized for my ideas. And I noticed other people were getting promoted. And I also made another terrifying observation. And that was that all the leaders in the company had this one trait in common. And that was that they were all amazing communicators. And not just that, they were really, really good public speakers. And that was a terrifying observation because it meant not only is not having a voice not serving me for advocating for promotions and being recognized, but if I ever want to be a leader, I have to learn how to speak. And that sent me on a whole journey of learning public speaking. It was terrifying and I cried a lot. <laughs> and I, I joined Toastmasters and I gave speeches in those clubs for five years. And in the process of speaking up and putting those speeches together and showing up for those meetings, I started to realize that I had something to say and people wanted to hear it. And I started to discover my voice and my creativity and that I had a perspective on things. And I started to realize that I have something to offer, but I had to first do that work and push through the fear in order to get there and, and have that realization. And today I have a whole organization that helps women find their voice, the Speaker Sisterhood. And it's a network of public speaking clubs that helps them to show up in a supportive space where there are other women doing the same exact work, <laughs> where they can put together speeches and write things that are important to them and then say them out loud and connect what's on the inside with what they want to say on the outside. And that whole activity is completely transformational. And it has helped women in the clubs to start businesses, apply for leadership positions, ask for more money, repair their marriage, leave marriages, discover whole new things about themselves to send them a new career directions and travel the world. And I found out by starting the Speaker Sisterhood that when you find your voice, you find your life and you find yourself and it connects you to a whole new future. Wow. Absolutely. Love, love that. Um, and I, I just, uh, so I have so many questions if it's okay. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So okay. Angela, just so you know, I'm five foot 10 now <laughs> and I was five foot 10 in fifth grade. <gasps> oh, another one. <laughs> and I Are you shy, Crystal? Say again? Were you shy? I, um, mm, I was one of those people that were sort of like kind of friends with everybody, but I never really put myself out there. Although I did really like acting. Like I liked being like class plays and stuff. And like the course, I liked the group activities. I didn't really like do things on my own. I really have come into my own, into my, my late 20s and my 30s. I've, I, yeah. uh, I found myself a little bit, but you know, with like Angela being five foot 10, having red hair, you know, like bright red, like carrot top hair, you know, um, I was definitely in the same, same boat of being bullied and picked on and that sort of thing. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Angela, I, I find it really interesting that, uh, you know, you sort of skipped from, you know, I was super slut, shy to, you know, 
my first job was a, a radio station. So there's got to have been an in-between part in terms of, you know, I guess intuitively you were interested in communication despite the fact that you hadn't found your voice. So where, where did, where and when did that happen? <laughs> I know you would think a person who gets into the communications industry would want to communicate, <laughs> but <laughs> it was funny because I grew up listening to this rock radio station and I used to call in with my friends and request songs. And when I graduated, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I had a degree in communications and a minor in film. And I really just, I majored in communications because I thought it would give me a lot of options, but I didn't really expect that I would ever be using my voice. I just thought it would be something creative. You didn't and have to talk. I, right. <laughs> talk. Right. It just seemed more fun than engineering or philosophy. So I was like, I'll do, I'll do that. Awesome. And I, I opened the newspaper. It was 2003. And I guess I still looked for jobs in the newspaper then. And I saw a posting for part-time promotions assistant for this rock station that I loved. And it said, help put together events and come up with fun ideas and, you know, ma help manage the street team. And I was like, Hmm, I could do that. And I sent in my resume on red paper and I wrote, I drew little designs around my name. And a day later I got a phone call from the program director at the radio station saying, yeah, I just have one question for you. Why is your resume on red paper? And I said, oh, well, I wanted to stand out. And he said, well, it did. Why don't you come in for an interview? And I came in for the interview and I was so freaked out. I'm like, I have no radio experience. I don't know why they would hire me. I sat down and he said, we're looking for someone who's different, who has new ideas, who's not afraid to be bold. The fact that you sent your resume on red paper says you probably have some things that we could use around here. So why don't we give it a try? I was like, okay. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> but it was a really important job for me. And I ended up getting promoted to the marketing director job and did end up doing some work on, on the air and never got on the mic at events. But I did train other people to do it. <laughs> so it was a slow progression to using my voice. Mm, that is, that's such an amazing story. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, what, you know, when you look at uh, this concept of finding your voice, right, especially with women, um, I think it's, it's challenging. And I love the parallels of, you know, finding, when you find your voice, you really discover who, who you are, right? And your purpose in, in life. So how do you, you know, how do you coach through some of those things? Um, because there's, you must see incredible transformation in some of your, um, you know, workshops that you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And the way that our speaking clubs are set up is it's 100% experiential learning. So it's not like going to a class where you have a teacher in front of you who's saying, here's how to give a persuasive speech. And here's what you do with your arms. And here's what here's how you move around the space. It's a, a curriculum I created called a secret life of speaking up that has 10 speech exercises in it and the members sign up to give speeches at the meeting and then they do a lot of work outside of the meeting to put together their speech and each speech is designed to do self-exploration and it's really about using public speaking as a tool for self-discovery example, the first speech in the curriculum is called love. And it's about discovering where love lives inside of you and then giving a speech about it and trying to transfer that love energy to your audience so that they fall in love with it too. And the way that they discover that is through a mind map. 
And I joined Speaker Sisterhood right after I wrote the curriculum because I loved it so much and I wanted to do it. <laughs> so when I did the love speech and I did the mind map, I ended up giving a speech about my mom. And it's funny, I've been speaking since 2006 and I have never once given a speech about my mom. It wouldn't even cross my mind to do it. Once in a while I mention her in speeches, but I sat down and I wrote a whole speech about her and all the things I appreciate about her and all the things she taught me. And I invited her to that meeting and she sat in the audience. I didn't tell her I was going to give a speech about her. She was totally embarrassed, but it ended up being a really special opportunity for me to pay attention to the person I am today because of what she gave me. And I don't know that I would have done that exercise if I hadn't taken the time to sit down and be part of Speaker Sisterhood and do that work. And it's very transformational to learn more about why we are the way we are and what we love and what's true for us and where our passions lie. And each speech is designed to help us get to the heart of that and then say it out loud and be witnessed by other women and then get the applause and get the positive affirmations that you're doing a great job and this is important. And that's where the transformation takes place. And, and how do you coach to push through fear? Because I think if you can push through fear of being in speaking in public, which, you know, I've read that that is one of the biggest fears that people have, right? Um, then mm -hmm. push through fears in other parts of your life. You know, a lot of it, I don't, I don't personally run any of the clubs. So what we teach the club leaders to do is to tell the story of what happens when you feel fear and you do it anyway. And the whole group is very supportive of, hey, just get up there and speak for one minute. Get up there and speak for 30 seconds. Just give it a try. You won't die, I promise. And I have my story, my public speaking story at the beginning of the curriculum and a really pivotal moment for me when I was in Toastmasters was I joined in June of 2006 and by December of 2006, I had not given a speech. And the, the club president came over to me and said, we're gonna put you on the schedule to speak at the next meeting. And I was like, oh no, 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 I'm not, I'm not ready to give a speech. And what he said to me was, you'll never be ready, you just have to start. And that's one of the mantras in Speaker Sisterhood. It's like, if you're gonna come to the club, you're never going to be ready to give your speech. So you just have to give the speech in, imperfectly and know that whatever happens is fine. And so we really train the mindset of experimentation. This is about an adventure. It's not about being perfect. It's not about being right. And it's not about being the best. It's just about trying it. And that helps a lot. Mm, Crystal, there's that P word again. I know. It keeps coming up, this perfect thing. What is it with us women, Angela? And this I know. Perfect. I know. It comes up all the time in the clubs, like women showing up saying, I'm a mom and I work in a full-time job and I'm having a hard time being perfect. And it's really empowering for them to talk about it in front of other women who are all nodding their heads saying, yeah, I don't feel perfect either. And then they come to this realization that maybe they don't have to be perfect. And it starts to change their perspective perception of themselves and the expectations they have of each other. And that's where the sisterhood part comes in. They start to forgive themselves and they start to empower each other and realize like, this isn't about perfection. This is a journey. We're all on it together. And um, the bond becomes very strong because they're all doing it at the same time. Yeah, and, and, and who came up with the definition of perfect right like there is no like single view of that all right 
um, in right. terms of what perfect looks like, but what looks like, yeah, it's just no, there is nothing called perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird thing we're striving toward, but I don't know what, how do we know we've achieved it and what does it uh, actually mean? Is it, yeah. do we really want to be there? I don't even know if we want to be there. And it will change <laughs> as soon as we agree that this is what perfect means, it's something else will happen. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. So what are, what, what's like one of the, you know, some of the key learnings as you've gone through this, this journey for yourself? Um, that you think that you would want to share with um, some of our listeners? One of the key learnings is when you think about ideas and you think about taking action in your life, that's one thing. But when you actually do it, that's when the learning comes in. And I run into a lot of people who say like, oh, I really want to quit my job. I really want to start a business, but I don't know if I have enough money. I don't know if I have a good idea. I don't know if I should do it. And they get stuck in this preparation mindset of I'm going to take another class. I'm going to read another book. I'm going to interview another person. I'm going to find another mentor. And they start to feel like they're making a lot of progress because they're doing a lot of research. But what they don't realize is that when they actually just sit down and do the thing that they're interested in doing, that's where all the information comes from. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I can attribute any success that I've had to having an idea and just immediately executing it and maybe not perfectly and maybe not with all the, the best resources and not in the past, the best um, approach. But because I did the work, I could then say, what did this experiment yield? And how would I do it differently next time? And that by itself, just the ability to go from the prep phase to the action phase has made a humongous difference in my life and has enabled me to do a lot of things. And Speaker Sisterhood just started in 2016 and we've launched 40 clubs. Like we're la we launched a new club in New Hampshire last night. We're launching another club in Virginia. We have two in San Diego now and like we're all over the country. And I keep thinking the only reason that that happens is because we just keep taking action and we're not thinking, well, what could go wrong? And what if it doesn't work? And it's like, that's not, <laughs> that's not how things get made. And that mindset has really served me well. Yeah. So moving out of this, what do they call that? Like a, a, a analysis paralysis, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. I think that's good practical advice, not only just for, you know, speaking and starting a business, but just in, in I think that can apply to so many different areas in, in your life, just in general. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I bought a Victorian house six years ago and there was so much I didn't know about houses when I bought this and I hired a handyman to help me with different projects around the house and we had decided we were going to do a backsplash in the kitchen and I bought all the materials and I scheduled him to come over and the day before we were going to do the backsplash he called me and he said I hurt my elbow I can't do anything for the next month that's going to require a lot of upper body strength so we can reschedule. And I said, well, all right, um, let me get back to you. And I jumped on YouTube and I just started watching videos about how to do a backsplash. And I thought, I'm sure I could figure this out by myself. <laughs> and I just did the backsplash and I didn't really know what I was doing. And every step of the way I was like, okay, if I don't electrocute myself, I've done it right. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't die, then I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end, it, right. 
it looked really nice and I'm really proud of it. And I didn't know what I was doing at all the whole time. And I thought this is actually how I live my whole life. <laughs> I think we need to allow ourselves to take risks like that and just try something even if we're not ready because we can often surprise ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I love that. Crystal is yeah, no, I'm just, I'm actually just currently reflecting back on the time that I installed my telephone line. <laughs> videos because I still, to this day, share that with people. Like, I was really proud of myself to, like, learn how to do that on my own. So, just reflecting. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Well, I mean, I think, yeah, I just, I do think people get stuck, right? Um, so, let me... Let me, you know, maybe reel you back, Angela, a little bit, and then t let's talk about our, you know, what were you like as a child? Were you even littler, like before high school and before you grew? I mean, who were your influencers in your, you know, in your life as you were growing up? I didn't have a lot of role models. I, I, I watched TV a lot as a kid, so I guess like the Golden Girls were probably... <laughs> major influencers. <laughs> I was in my head a lot. I was a big dreamer and I loved nature. I loved drawing and making things in the yard. I would make forts a lot. I would love to just like go out in the woods and explore. And I could sit in the woods for hours and just look at the trees and maybe bring some crayons and paper out and just draw. And I love to be alone. And even today, I love being alone. I'm definitely an introvert. I spend a good amount of time by myself, which I think is really important for accessing that creativity. And I didn't, I didn't really have influencers as a kid. I didn't, I think I, I watched sitcoms and my parents weren't around very much. My parents aren't entrepreneurs. They weren't really creators. They kind of like had nine to five jobs to pay the bills, but I think in my, for me, I was always just like, what do I want to do with my life? Even I remember as a five or six year old grabbing a, a legal pad from my parents' desk and a pen and sitting out in a pile of leaves in the backyard, writing a list of all the important things I was going to do in the world <laughs> when I got older. <laughs> so I was that kind of kid. <laughs> do you still have that list? Did you keep it? No, you know, it's funny. My dad came out while I was writing the list. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, dad, I'm making a list of important things I'm going to do in my life. He's like, look, we need to rake. So why don't you put that aside and help me clean like, up the yard? That's the most important thing right now that you could do <laughs> is rake. Yeah. So I, I probably threw it away, but yeah, I, I don't think there was, it, it wasn't that I, my creativity wasn't um, appreciated, but I wouldn't say it was embraced and, you know, supported very much. It was just like my own private world that I would explore by myself. And so what, what decisions, you know, or do you think you made decisions around that in terms of, you know, approaching your life differently or, you know, or, or wasn't conscious for you just evolved? I always knew that I had to be at a job where I could have some autonomy to come up with ideas and execute them and feel like my opinion mattered. And whenever I found myself in a job where that was not the case, I did not thrive. And when there were too many rules and like arbitrary rules, like a dress code or what time you had to eat lunch, I would just like,
that would just kill my spirit. Cause I would think like, these are things that don't matter. And I don't even know why we're spending time. Like I got called into my boss's office one day cause I was wearing shorts and I was like, are we wasting time on this? So <laughs> I, <laughs> I just really needed to be in a place where I could come up with ideas and execute them and see what could happen. And that was, that's just always been really, really important to me. And I think that's, that's been a conscious decision since the beginning. So one of the things you said earlier that, that I want to reflect on and have you reflect on a little bit is you, you said there was a lot of crying and a lot of, you know, so talk about those moments of hitting bottom where you think, where you thought, Oh my gosh, I'm never going to move through this. Right. Yeah. Well, after the club president said to me, we're going to put you on the schedule to give your first speech at the next meeting. And I said, yes, the next two weeks leading up to that meeting were the worst two weeks of my life because I had to now face my shyness for the first time in my life and stand in front of a group of people voluntarily and say words that I wrote. And it sent me into this downward spiral because it was the first time I really realized that I had a social anxiety because of feeling so rejected in my teenage years. And it was my first time that I had to really face that pain and shame and embarrassment and disappointment and lack of self-love. And it, it was a breaking open that this, this shell that I had put around myself up until I was, you know, 25 years old. And that crying that in that two weeks was intense and it was ongoing. And I think I rewrote that speech 200 times and it was only a four minute speech about my job. And every time I'd stand in my bedroom and try to deliver the speech, it would make me cry because I thought, nobody cares what I have to say. This is stupid. I'm not a leader. I'm not a public speaker. It would bring up all these stories I had about myself. And every time I signed up to give a speech after that, the same thing would happen. It would just lead to tears and it was the breaking open and it was the acknowledgement of how much I hated myself and how much I didn't accept myself and I didn't love anything about the way I looked or the way that I was in the world. And by speaking, I started to break that down and realize actually there's a pretty beautiful person in there. I just didn't want to connect with her for a long time. And the tears were important on that, on that journey. Yeah. that It's so healing. I mean, it's, it's that moment where it's not just a speech, right? This is, <laughs> this is a life. Totally. <laughs> Absolutely. I think public speaking is the key to so many things, to building confidence in ourselves and showing up and being seen and being heard. So much of our lives we can spend hiding. And when you hide from others, you're actually hiding from yourself. And it's hard to know what you're passionate about and to know how deeply you can love something if you don't really love yourself to begin with. And that can come from the practice of public speaking. And I remember the first time a woman walked up to me, maybe a year after I started speaking, and she said, thank you so much for your speech today. I really needed to hear that. You answered some questions I had, and I, I feel like it was just really important for me to hear that today. And I was like, are you talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> it was it blue women. Like, who is she talking to? Exactly. Like, there must be someone standing behind me. And I, I'm like, oh, so something I said helped you? That was so mind blowing to me. <laughs> and it was the first time I experienced fulfillment and joy that can come from. 
the power of public speaking. And then I, get, I kept going. And in 2009, I left a job. I was working at a recruiting agency at the time. And I started a business as a career consultant. And I really wanted to help people find jobs that were a good match for their creativity because I felt like I had such a hard time doing that. And I didn't have any money to market my company. And I didn't want to go back to a full-time job. So I went out and I did free workshops at libraries and rotary clubs and chambers and basically anywhere that said yes. And this was such a great way for me to build my skill as a public speaker and build my content and also hear from hundreds of people who said, you're helping me change my life. You're helping me take the next steps. And it was just as meaningful for them to get that information as it was for me to get the validation and the experience and the thank you cards from people who said, this was really important, keep doing it. I was like, oh, okay. So I do have something to say. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think, right. And I think people don't realize that. Like we um, interviewed an awesome woman last week named Tony. And so she shared something about looking at um, alternative therapies and like, you know, doing the hard work to better yourself so that this way, you know, you can be more productive in life. And um, you know, I think it's like whoever, if you don't speak, nobody's going to hear you. Right. And so yeah. actually, you know, people want to listen. So whoever speaks the loudest is going to be heard. And I think like, you know, everybody, there's people in the universe that are put in front of you or put, you know, in, in your vicinity to hear what you have to say because they need it. You know, we talk all the time on this podcast about how your pivotal moments will now be pivotal moments for other people. And if we didn't share that, what would the world be, you know? So kudos mm -hmm. to you for... Yeah, and I and I think it, I think that it's so critical um, that this conversation, as I'm listening to it, is so important at this stage that the world and the universe is in today. Because I think this concept of um, having, especially for women, their voices be heard in the you know in the context of the Me Too movement or you know, other things that are going on is just so important. And it, you know, so I think, you know, do you think that there's a way, you know, or do you have some thoughts of evolving your business, you know, outside of the realm of public speaking to, you know, connecting some of these other, um, I hate to say therapeutic, but almost right. Like these, the, the you know, the breakthroughs that are happening, um, just associated with this area of public speaking, right? Is there a way to take it to the next level, do you think? Yeah, I'm hesitant to change the way that we've set it up because it has been so successful. And by setting these the members up to do the thing that scares them most, it creates an environment where they have to show up and fight through their fear, or at least, you know, dance with their fear. And <laughs> prove something to themselves that may change their life. And when you lower the stakes and you create a space where it's like, we're just going to go around in a circle and talk about things that are important to us, or, you know, we're going to do some art therapy. I think all those things are helpful, but there's something about asking someone to put together a speech and share their truth in front of a group that transforms them. And so I think that we have a long road to go with just this one approach and we could probably add more to it, but 
I think the way that it is, it's just, it's serving the need and it's just about getting it out to more women now. Yeah. Yeah. So to that point, that's probably a good transition of how, how can our listeners find more about you, get access to your website, your Facebook page, et cetera. Before we well, I have, I just want to throw out there though, just to, to touch on that. So, um, you know, throughout the, the, the evolution of therapy, so speaking of like art therapy and all of that stuff, but even like, um, you know, um, treating trauma and more, you know, more serious stressors in life. Um, the, the act of creating a narrative and then verbalizing the narrative is hugely healing. Yes. And so people are no longer then hiding behind something, right? A huge weight is lifted. So what you're doing is actually extraordinarily therapeutic. So, you know, I think, and it's happened sort of organically. So it'll be really interesting to see where it does go when it does get to to the next level, because I'm sure that it will. But anyway, yes, where can we find you? (laughs) That's a great point. And actually there are some members who say that this is their therapy and they kind of look at it as a support group. So there is a therapeutic element to it for sure. We are at speakersisterhood.com, and I also have a podcast called Claim the Stage, which is all about public speaking for women, and I have over 115 episodes, and they're all about things having to do with public speaking, ranging from storytelling to managing the fear to becoming a professional speaker, and Crystal is one of our most recent guests talking about stress management and self-care, so that's a great way to find us, too. That sounds great. And if someone, so they would be able to find either a a speaker sisterhood chapter near them, or if there wasn't, how could they start their own? Um, They can, everyone who starts their own needs to become a member first. So we have virtual clubs for women who can't join a club in their community and they become a member for two to three months and then they're eligible to apply to start their own club. And we look for women who have a background in facilitation and are comfortable and confident running a, a meeting and also have some background in marketing and networking so they can go out and promote it in the community. Well, that sounds great. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm looking forward to doing some work with you. Um, as Crystal mentioned at the beginning, you know, I've gotten uh, through this CEO role, gotten thrown into the public eye more frequently than I had ever expected. And I know that there's, I'm sure you'll be able to give me some coaching. (laughs) So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Um, Crystal, you want to maybe let people know how they can hear more about us? Yeah. So you can find us on Twitter at of her story on Instagram, making of her story and same on Facebook, making of her story. So it's been really awesome that we've been receiving messages from folks um, about their want them wanting to share. So we are lining up speakers that way. So if you do have an interest in sharing your story, the object of this podcast is to connect people from all around the world, not just one geographic area. So please feel free to reach out to us on social media and we would love to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. Angela, thank you so much for your time today. I loved every minute. Oh, excellent. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. Bye.